Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Did you work out this morning? Not yet. I uh, slept in a little bit, so these are the first words I've spoken. But I have been back on kind of a more consistent um, like cardio type of workout kick lately. Uh, through my strength training gym, I did uh, like a bod pod analysis. It's a body composition, fat to muscle ratio stuff. I feel like I fared decently well in 2020, but uh, I think the tail end really kind of caught up with me. So I'm trying to trying to right the ship a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. bod pods are always sobering. Yes, yes. I don't think I've ever been like, wow, that's way better than I thought it was. It's just like, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And now it's kind of cool because I have like two and a half years of data um, now plotted. Like every time I do it, they give they just update the graph. So... I can kind of see how it's how it's trended over time. Um, That's cool. I also have I have my measurements in like a Google Sheet somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's kind of fun to track that. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, I only asked you if you worked out because I did, and I wanted to brag about it. Ah, well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I tried a training session with this, with somebody. Actually, the first time I've ever had like a private fitness training thing. I think. Anyway, at least in recent memory. It definitely helps in terms of accountability. Like I would not have woken up this morning and been like, all right, time to work out. I would have been like, nah, like I wasn't really feeling it. I like had a cocktail with a friend on Zoom last night. And so, you know, woke like didn't sleep that great and woke up and was like, meh. But then like, it's like, well, I paid the guy and we have a calendar invite. So I got to do this thing. So I showed up and did it. And it's like, yep, turns out I feel better. <laughs> so yeah, it works that that trick. So it was virtual. Was it like a lot of body weight stuff or did you use bands or weights or? Yeah, a lot of body weight stuff and a little bit of mobility stuff. And it was kind of like an intro. It was the first time we had done anything together. So he was kind of laying out his his method. This is actually a thing that kind of irks, kind of irks me a little bit about the fitness world is that everyone develops their own like named system. You know, where it's like, ah, oh, well, I've taken what I've learned over 12 years of being a this plus and I mixed in some martial arts and I mixed in this like... Okay, and you invented your own <laughs> fitness yeah. system that's better than all the other systems, and now you want to teach. And like, you have names for things that everyone calls this, but you just called it something different because that way you can, you know, make it yours. And it's a little, little silly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the confidence to develop your own system because, like, you probably don't have that big of a sample size to really know if it's working that well. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little bit of voodoo or something. It's a little bit, of, a little bit of silliness in the fitness world, but whatever. I feel better than I did when I woke up. So, hey, thanks. That's, cool. That's good. Count that as a win. Yeah. And speaking of like kind of biohacks and whatnot, I had an interesting experience. So I got an aura ring. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I've been a while ago. About that. Yeah. Which is cool. It's a nice, it's a neat little device. Like it gives me little stats about like how well you slept and for how long and what your heart rate was and what your temperature was and things like that. So I've read a million times that like you want the room you sleep in to be cold. And people would usually say like, you know, like think about like 65 degrees, like a target. And I'd never actually gone that cold. I'd always just been like, yeah, that's, I'll cool it off at night. So I'll like turn my heat down to like 68, 67, that kind of thing. And a couple of days ago, I was just like, you know what, let me just try 65 and see how it feels. And I did. And I immediately saw my sleep scores improve. It's, it's been, I think, four or five days now of like pretty consistent, like better numbers than before when the room was just a few degrees warmer. And I tend to run warm anyway, so I'm thinking of probably like I might even go a little bit lower and see what happens. It certainly could be coincidence. Maybe I'm just less stressed or something, but um, it, it really did. It was kind of like 
on this day it was this these degrees and it was bad and then like for the last four or five days i, I made it colder and it's like the numbers have improved so might be something to that yeah interesting i have this um this device because i live in an apartment building that's very well insulated and so even in the winter it's like hard to get it cool in here <laughs> yeah i have to open my windows to actually yeah i have the yeah. same thing yeah so my wife runs colder than me so we kind of have this like problem of like you know i'm always tend to be warmer she tends to be cooler but i think this is actually a product that like made it through shark tank it's called a bed jet and okay basically what it is is you stick the you stick this the is little a pg-13 show derek uh, yeah, yeah 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 no don't worry <laughs> don't worry <laughs> okay. so it's like a little air conditioner i guess heater or air conditioner depending on what you need and it has this little this little hose that you just stick the nozzle under the covers but on top of the you know so it's just where you are but it's kind of right right at the foot of the bed and it just pumps cool or warm air in you can like set it so it'll auto turn off or whatever um and you can change the fan levels and stuff but it's just it's like just enough like in the in the summertime it would set like just a trickle of cool air all night long and it uh it was pretty nice that's cool are you, do you still use it regularly yeah yeah and now i just use it like in in the winter time mostly just like blast some warm air in as, as opposed to using like an electric blanket or something to like warm the bed up uh before mm-hmm. getting in yeah yeah I've been considering these like an eight sleep bed. Have you seen these things? I assume. Uh, I don't think so, actually. It's like a bed with, I think, water cooling or heating built into it, like multi-zone water temperature control, kind of like what your your thing is. When you are when you achieve uh, level three tech brohood, you get an eight <laughs> sleep bed. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you get the Tesla. You get the the, the that bed. Yep. Yep. You drink yep. bulletproof coffee. That kind of thing. <laughs> or you roast your own coffee i've been doing that lately by the way have you really yes you roast your own co- at, at your home yes <laughs> i highly recommend it do you really <laughs> yes so here's how it works skeptical go ahead so you, you could basically use a um a popcorn popper so there's this website called sweet maria's they they like source uh raw coffee beans from a bunch of different regions and you can buy them in small quantities and they're really cheap like so I drink a ton of coffee and, you know, my coffee budget was was decent for for beans. I would just buy from like local coffee shops to do their own roasting and stuff. And it's, you know, not an insignificant amount of money. So but I didn't really do it for the cost savings. I want to experiment with like more varieties from around the world and just just kind of see if I can master the art of, of roasting. So this website, Sweet Marita, sells like a kit. But it's basically just like they've figured out what the best popcorn popper is to use. Like it has a solid base in the bottom and the little thing doesn't tend to stick on the bottom when you when you turn the crank to to spin keep the beans moving around really it's just about like dialing in the right temperature the right amount of flame on the stove top to keep the temperature pretty consistent and it takes like i don't know f- it's about 10 to 15 minutes for a batch and you can experiment with lighter roasts or darker roasts and beans from different regions so it's really like i think it's the kind of thing that a lot of people think would be way harder than it actually is when you said i'm roasting my own beans i was picturing the machines i've seen in like giant coffee shops where it's like a thousand pounds of steel (laughs) yes yes and that's like the the next level up so buddy of mine that that does has been doing this for years finally like someone for christmas one year got him like a an at-home roaster that's similar in concept to those big ones you see but it's like a little just has a little canister that turns and it has its own heat source you don't really don't need that you can do it on your stovetop as long as you have good ventilation because it can produce a decent amount of smoke so like if you have a good vent hood um 
that comes in handy. But <laughs> so roasting your coffee will give you lung cancer, but other than that, it's pretty cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I have my aware, my aware unit in my apartment. Uh, and uh, it definitely spikes when I roast, but I just open open the doors and windows. And I also got aware, and it makes you realize like cooking will kind of ruins the air quality. I open open windows when I cook now, pretty much all the time, because you can see it. It's kind of sh- kind of shocking. That's interesting. I mean, I like a really dark roast, and so that kind of appeals. Like I could I could get my own dialed in roast level experiment. That sounds kind of fun. I don't know if this level of coffee nerdery is quite for me, but I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it. And I could see why people would be into this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've been collecting many obscure hobbies over <laughs> over the last yeah. year. <laughs> you got to do something. Knife sharpening, you sharpen your own knives. Ooh. Now that see that appeals. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah, because you never want to. Once you've worked with really sharp knives, you never oh, want to yeah. work with a dull knife oh, again. It's so good. Yeah. A really sharp knife, man. That is, it's such a pleasure. It is. It is. I literally buy people knives. Like, I go to their house and I'm like, you don't have a this is your chef's knife? They're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. And I just go on Amazon. I'm like, look, you have a knife on the way. This is, you can't live like this. I can't yeah. watch you live like this. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So yeah, I could see you having a sharpening thing at home. would be nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you have like the honing rods, which is good maintenance, but that's not actually sharpening. It's not removing any material. So yeah, again, this is one of those things where I think people assume that it's, it's way more, like the barrier is way higher to get into it. There's this thing called just just google ken onion um that's the guy's real name <laughs> he's like he like creates knives and uh i think he he like partnered up with this this company that has done like tool sharpening equipment and they made like a knife sharpening thing and it's like 120 bucks on amazon and comes with the belts and you just yeah you can sharpen your own knives nice sounds pretty glorious yeah <laughs> cool well what else is going on in your world well, um, I guess we should talk about business a little bit. Last time we recorded, it was it was like the morning after my product hunt launch. And I think I may have mentioned that like, oh, I got featured in their newsletter, but I didn't have any results from it. All I knew was that when I looked at peeked at my analytics, there were 150 people currently on the site. When I looked, I was like, oh, I think this is driving some traffic. Turns out that that was the real prize was the the newsletter feature it like drove three X the amount of traffic, signups, trials, all that stuff. Um, Isn't that always the way? Yep. Email. <laughs> yeah. It's which intuitively makes sense because it's like it's pushed into someone's inbox as opposed to a passive thing. Someone looks at it on a website, you know. Kudos to the product hunt staff. Like they they wrote a like block of text about SavvyCal in their own words. Like they didn't just copy, you know words off of my website they did their own like assessment and it's really really good like i want to use it on my site somewhere now because it's just like the way they the way they phrased it was really compelling that has been driving an insane amount of traffic i have so to date now we're one week out 2300 signups to the first stage of the funnel and several hundred active trials at the moment so yeah okay i mean that's pretty substantial yeah so things are getting, uh, things are heating up a bit and uh, nice. I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> Very yeah. cool. How's the usage on the trials? I guess I haven't really looked at specific metrics around that, but it seems like, I mean, a ton of people like replying to my onboarding emails with questions and just feedback and stuff. So like engagement seems pretty high, which is encouraging because, you know, you, you would expect maybe it's just a lot of like people curious looking around but not intending to use it. 
I mean, trials are going to start converting today from product hunt. So I'll be able to report metrics back, see if my trial to paid conversion rate is staying insanely high like it is right now. I basically have been digging myself out of an email hole for the last couple of days. I had like, I think 400 emails or something like that. From like pe- trialers and people giving yep. feedback and questions. Yep. Awesome. That's great. Like, like we sol- we ask a couple of questions in the first email we send out, like, like, hey, how'd you hear about us and why did you sign up? And so a lot of, you know, qualitative data from that. But yeah, a surprising number of people taking me up on actually replying to that email, <laughs> which, is, which is good. That's what I want, you know. I think that's part of like the beauty of the early stage startup is like people are more interested in engaging with you and and helping you in general i think i actually feel like we're i think we're losing a little bit of that is like my sort of my intuitive sense is like people i think are now surprised to like hear from one of the founders or like that we're a small company yeah you're making progress down that like the crossing the chasm bell curve right like marching more towards the uh the kind of middle the fat middle section where people are like not as not as early adopter-ish in their behavior right exactly and like they don't actually know me or us in general it's just like yes this is a tool that maybe solves my problem i was just checking the other day like we so we used to get a really big great uptake on like tweeting about the product like we have an automated prompt like when someone does their fifth five-star call we say hey would you mind spreading the word a little bit i think we used to get like 10 percent, maybe of people would do that and now it feels more like two percent something like it's just it's just way there's way fewer and despite having signing up lots of customers um so i think we are like moving away from the yeah i know ben he's a good guy i want to help him or like i know joel and spencer or something and like now it's more like eh, i don't want to help this faceless corporation <laughs> yeah. even though we do sort of like try to play out that angle in the emails like you know just so you know we're a little company and we want your help and stuff but right right there's a, a bit of a different feel mm-hmm yeah, it's funny how those cycles happen. I mean, it'll probably eventually happen where some new new competitor will come in and try to say, like, we're the small, scrappy version of Tuple. Tuple's big now. They're corporate. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody said something on Twitter, which is like, you know, yeah, I've, I've seen Tuple, but like, what's the new hotness or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's like we are you kidding like me? Barely two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, right. old news. Sorry. What's new? We can be a bit fickle sometimes, can't we, mm-hmm. in the tech world? <laughs> this is the, uh, yeah, the the developer thing. Yeah. Yeah. Love the new stuff. But man, I, I'm continually kind of blown away at how many 20-person-plus software development teams there are in the world that I have never heard of. I'll just be like, wow, this company's paying us $500 a month. I must have heard of them. Who is it? And I look at them like, I have no idea. Like, they serve this random vertical in the construction industry or in like just like some business line I've never even heard of or thought of before. And they have 20 programmers on their team. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. It's a good spot to be in. I think selling to selling to software people is I feel I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, would you feel like you've crossed the chasm? Like you familiar with that concept of like I am loosely, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm an expert on it. Uh, so the cross of the chasm would be like I've, we're now away from early adopters and now like the people that are more like cautious or you know want to use the mainstream proven thing. That's a good question. I mean, I guess yes in some ways. Like there are companies that uh, you've heard of that I don't consider fast-moving, adventurous tech companies, but more like kind of stodgier, you know, maybe brick-and-mortar retailers, kind of things like that. 
uh, and we're being used by their tech teams. And so like to me, that kind of feels like a yes, I guess, in that like we're being sold to places that make us fill out forms and you know have accounts payable departments and things like that. It's definitely not just startups with credit cards. But at the same time, I feel like like Tuple's version like 0.83 right now or 82. And so it's like, we're not even 1.0 yet. Like, how could you say we've crossed the chasm? Like, we're, it still feels, and like, yeah, we still, there's still a lot to do. There's still so much to improve and fix and whatnot. So, but that, I think that might just be my product manager bias kicking in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Do you think a big driver of that has been the fact that companies like Shopify have been public about using Tuple? Like, do you feel like that's been a big driver? Has it just kind of been the organic, like word of mouth type of expansion? Like, how are these people who are outside of your immediate sphere hearing about Tuple and deciding to use it? This would be a great thing to know better. <laughs> yeah. um, I have an intuitive answer here, but like, we don't, we don't ask people this regularly and we, we probably should. But it seems like as a lot of like Twitter word of mouth or like developer community slacks or forums or things like that. I don't know what that indicates about what phase we're in or whatnot. But right, right. But I mean, we're not doing any advertising and we do some marketing, but not, not much, honestly, yet. Uh, so I think it basically kind of has to be mostly just viral slash word of mouth stuff happening. Right. And I mean, yeah, that's like a feature of your market. I mean, developers who are using the tool and some of them are the ones in the in this position of buying buying the tool but like developers talk a lot they hang out online and that's that's a good feature to i mean it's hard to like use word of mouth as a strategy but if you have it that's great <laughs> you know like and mm -hmm. i think it's a it's quality of your market and shout out to farhan at shopify their bp engineering who has been saying nice things about us pretty consistently yeah which i really yeah. appreciate and like just the other day like just just now someone was like I like previously made fun of Farhan for like saying so much nice things about Tuple, but now I tried it and it's great. It's yeah. like, oh man, thank you. Making comments out there. He's helping. It's so, great. That's good. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I can I can continue on a little more a little more savvy cal stuff. Um, yeah, sounds good. This has been a, a really crazy week. Lots of and and part of that is hearing a lot of ways that savvy cal is deficient for people's use cases right now so i'm definitely feeling the pressure to deliver on features quickly and i think kind of two big things have coalesced as like the the top things to be focusing on at the moment so a lot of people wanting team functionality like and and i think people look at the product today and just kind of assume like hey i'm i'm trying to do i'm trying to like add a teammate onto this thing because I want them tagged on there and I can't seem to find where to do that. So like most people are like assuming like it looks like the product can support that today and that seems like a an obvious thing it would have. Like where do where do I do that? And then I'm like I have to tell people like, oh we don't have that quite yet. And but thankfully most people that I've replied to about that, I've told them like this is top priority on the roadmap right now. So I'm hoping to make significant progress on this in the first quarter. Uh, so so what year. do you mean by add a teammate in this case? Well, there's a couple different modes people want to do. Like one is just like like adding someone onto the invite as like an additional invitee. And and another is like I want to make sure that we only present availability that works for for multiple people, which is kind of the same thing, but like but like in a, an extra level of like this person is not an optional attendee, it's a re required attendee, this other teammate. So we want to make sure that we block when they're unavailable that's the number one requested thing round robin comes up too for like customer success or demos or something like that 
but that one doesn't get mentioned nearly as often as kind of more the the collective scheduling link where you're just basically adding more additional people on um, gotcha so it's like if you and i work together and we want to schedule a meeting that you and i are both going to attend with some other third person so we both need to be available exactly yeah gotcha interesting yeah. are you going to do like three sort of unrelated people scheduling a meeting kind of thing or groups that are not coworkers, basically yeah i think so. i mean i there's no reason i don't think to to block it at at two you know like i think you can have n n number of additional people who are in savvy cal so i think there's like there's going to be layers to this i'm going to try to break it down into into really small um chunks that i can ship so like i think the first step that i'm thinking about is like okay if you're a part of a team in savvy cal it's relatively easy for me to like query who your teammates are and present those in a drop down list so you can just like add teammates um the next level would be like adding someone who's not a user in the system but like an arbitrary email address where we don't necessarily have their calendar yet because if they don't have a savvy cal account there i think there's just more like permissions flow involved in that and like kind of the what emails do we send to those type of people who aren't in savvy cal yet versus the people who are already in the system it's it, it can be more automatic you know right. so it seems like it was going to need its own flow. So like uh, this came up to me for me the other day. I was trying to schedule a call with two other people. And so we're trying to find the union of our three schedules. You need everyone's schedule before anyone can pick the time. Right? So it's like if I invite person A and they even if they have a savvy cal account or sync with it or whatever, we still are waiting for the third person before we can even pick start picking times. Right. Which then, and that kind of breaks the paradigm because right now a scheduling link, you, you configure it and then, and then it's sent to one decision maker, you know? And so I think step one will be like, well, if you and I, Ben, are on the same team, we both have our calendars connected, I can just add you and you're basically have already responded with your availability, you know? And so then it's still up to one, one recipient. It gets tricky when a scheduling link now becomes like a, it almost becomes like a tentative event as opposed to a link. Like you're creating an event that you want multiple people to attend. So it's like already a thing that can then send out emails and be like, hey, you've been invited to this event as opposed to like, here's a scheduling link that I push out to you and then you select a time. So there might even be a different domain concept for that in the app, which is kind of going to explode the complexity of it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sounds like, I mean, almost sounds like a new, pro, like a new problem, kind of. It's like a yeah, whole new thing. that's, and I think that's an area that like Calendly doesn't really address today. And like, there's Doodle, like people, people are pretty familiar with like the Doodle, the concept of a Doodle poll, where you just one person kind of lays out some times, and then people vote on the ones that they can make it to, which is fine, but not great, especially if if we do manage to have like a tentative event where everyone wires up their calendar and we know every we can take the intersection of everyone's availability and just determine for everybody like here are the times where you all are available that's even better than the the polling thing so we'll get there okay in due time well well it sounds annoying so i won't hold my breath for that particular feature <laughs> yeah that one will i mean that iteration is the last one probably where it's like yeah. yeah yeah but i mean it was it was annoying i will say and somebody was like, does Savvy Cal support this yet? And I was like, oh, no, but I really wish it did. We're in three different time zones. And people were like, well, I can do Tuesday, but not when. And it was just like, it was the classic crappy scheduling experience. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's something important as I think about like differentiating features. There's, there's kind of two ways to look at products sometimes. It's like, 
it's like focus on MVP, like what's the smallest iteration of something that I can ship and keep doing that kind of broadly across the spectrum of features. And then there are times to go like really deep on one thing. So I could see, even though this is annoying and it's going to be tricky, I could see like going really deep on this and like solving it really well in a way that kind of just takes things to the next level. Totally. Yeah. That lets you have some differentiation and like, no, no, we, we don't, we don't just do this. Okay. We do this really well. That's our thing. I don't know if this is the right thing to do it on, but you know, that, that strategy in general, yeah, I think has some, some merit for sure. You kind of have to do that for something, right? There needs to be a thing that is your thing. It's like, we're going to sweat this detail more than anybody else. And that's why you're going to choose us over other people. Yep. Yep. I mean, there, there are a few like benefits to primary benefits to using Savvy Cal over other things today. And the big one that's featured on, you know, our main positioning and stuff is, is like the, kind of helping ease the power dynamic thing, which you have like, we have like five bullet points on like, here are five different ways that you can, that SavvyCal helps you with that. And so the question is like, do I go, do I try to go even deeper on some of those things? Or, you know, do I listen to the, I mean, the just relentless requests for team scheduling stuff is definitely kind of tugging me in that direction too, but that pulls me away a little bit from. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. So I think you could make progress on this. I think there's like ways to make it better for sort of like your median case but i was thinking i was trying to imagine like as a thought experiment kind of the extreme ends where it's like okay let's imagine i'm in an email thread with tim cook and he's like yeah let's do a call and i'm like sure tim here's my calendar link he's gonna click on savvy cal and just pick it and it's like i'm just never gonna do that ever right so like when the when the when the imbalance is really substantial it's never gonna feel appropriate and so like that doesn't necessarily mean that like solving the median case is not actually a great problem to do and like possible and worthy, but like at, at some point you're going to not be able to solve it. And so that made me question, like, I wonder if that's the right thing to solve in general, if as the imbalance grows, it just becomes untenable. Mm-hmm. It's probably like a bell curve distribution of quantity of meetings that have that, that much stratification, that much like gap in power dynamic. And I think the ones like the thick middle, I think, is the ones where it's like, it's pretty decently close on power dynamics. So if I can improve in that area, like, that's still making strides. But yeah, the cases where you're, you know, you're emailing Tim Cook, like, yeah, that won't be solved by software. Yes. I like when you say thick middle. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't actually know if like, this point is valid or interesting but I, I thought it was kind of intriguing when i realized at the extremes it's gonna it feels unsolvable so like what might that say about the middle not not sure i do have some ideas about like one area that could help with the cases where it's more extreme and like software is not really going to cut it there are tools on the market that are trying to solve this with quote-unquote ai you know where you like literally talk to a robot which to me i'm not i'm very bearish on that because I think we're not anywhere close to the place where like we can actually fool people into thinking that they're talking to a human. So like you always know you're talking to a robot. And then like I feel like chatbots have never lived up to their their promise of like, yeah, you can offload support to a bot and it'll just talk to your customers for you and save you all this time. Like I just I just don't buy it. Right. And I think it would also be very out of the question to have your you're like scheduling bot talk to Tim Cook too, you know? So, right, totally. But one thing that could be interesting is like literally offering human, like human automation, like, like have a fleet of personal scheduling assistant 
humans that will chime into email threads for you. Not automated, real humans. And that would be part of like a, obviously a very premium tier of the product, but, but save you the trouble of like doing, hiring your own VA or your own like personal assistant full-time or whatever. Um, I like that, the sort of willingness to like throw people into the thing. I think a lot of software folks are just like, no, like how do we do this with code? And like being willing to occasionally reach for that, like what if you put people in this loop, I think is actually pretty, could be pretty potent. Yeah. And it would basically be like, people would be would be using your savvy cal links behind the scenes but it, it would just be like you're talking to humans a human assistant as opposed to sending a link to somebody for those cases where like it's it just doesn't fit the occasion you know um, yeah i wonder if that still triggers some of that same impulse though like if i'm like hey tim why don't you work with my assistant to figure out a time for you two to meet right yeah so Potentially. Might, not, might, might not solve it, it i don't know may not solve it enough but that one's just kind of floating around in the in the back of my mind of like yeah 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 that's cool yeah nice yeah cool wow it's over it's already been a half an hour time flies we've, we've made an episode look at let's that. do it let's 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 wrap it all right all right let's notes of the show notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com thanks for listening see ya <laughs>